Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from our slightly different perspective. You know, today I want to talk about um, what I consider quirky things, cyclical things. I, I'm wrapping up a, what's almost like a two-year journey with our brackish water aquarium. I talked about this yesterday in our blog version of the tent. Um, kind of wrapping this tank up because we have to move on to some other things to inspire you guys. And kind of sad because I usually keep tanks going for a very long period of time. But during the years of operation of this aquarium, I've learned quite a few things about its uh, both its uh, function and its quirkiness. And I mean, in general, the world of botanical style aquariums is a very dynamic one, isn't it? It's a world of constant change, continuous biological processes and aesthetic variations on almost a weekly basis. This tank was no exception. And as lovers of these botanical style natural aquariums, we've kind of learned to be most tolerant of stuff that would likely drive many aquarists who subscribe to more mainstream approaches. Absolutely freaking crazy, right? I think so. We have an enormous tolerance for things like tinted water, decomposition of materials, biofilms, and other stuff that is really rather contrary to what we've been brought up in the aquarium world to be considered as okay or acceptable or healthy. And, you know, I think that's okay. That's kind of a difference between what we do and what approaches and philosophies a lot of other aquarists use. And I think we're starting to learn that they're not necessarily better or worse. They're just different. And our botanical-style aquariums do have their unusual, if not endearing, attributes, don't they? Let me explain. You've likely noticed this particular phenomenon over the years in different types of aquariums. Have you ever noticed that aquariums in general seem to go in cycles and display certain quirks in their function? For example, some tanks will enjoy periods of time where the fish and plants are actively growing, the water's crystal clear, there's like no unwanted algae growth, and everything seems to be just spot on. And then seemingly inexplicably after months or perhaps years, the tank may not look quite as good for several weeks, only to rebound to its former glory with minimal to no intervention on your part in a matter of a day or two. Strange, right? I think we've all experienced this in planted aquariums before and likely other systems too. Odd cycles that create changes that you just can't quite put a finger on before they sort of correct themselves. Now, over the years, we found that some of these cyclical occurrences in planted tanks, for example, might be due to nutrient variations, trace element depletions, growth of, uh, of specific plants or algae, et cetera, et cetera. So we can trace it to some extent. And over the years, I've also experienced certain quirks with our botanical style blackwater and brackish aquariums as well. This is particularly noticeable to those of us who, like me, love keeping our systems set up over very long periods of time without disturbing them or breaking them down. And again, as I wrap up sort of the journey of my, uh, latest brackish water aquarium, I can look back on this particular aquarium's operation and perhaps give us some interesting perspective based on the experiences we've had with it since it's been in operation. In particular, one of the things I noticed in general in botanical style aquariums, and this one was no different, 
uh, botanical aquariums filled with leaves, botanical sediments, and wood, is that the water will take on a bit of a cloudiness or turbidity uh, uh, on occasion, almost as if it's been dosed with some sort of materials which make it a bit tur- uh, turbid, even with excellent husbandry techniques. I noticed this in the brackish water aquarium quite a bit, particularly in its earlier phases. Now, I think there's a few explanations, one of which is the fact that there's a gradual yet cumulative decomposition of organic materials from within the botanicals themselves. This is obvious in in many types of aquariums that we work with. Maybe it's substances within the wood or the botanicals that you're playing with. Things like lignin and, and materials from within perhaps wood, which steeps into the water column as the materials break down, uh, exposing new layers of their tissues to the aquatic environment. Some of it could simply be fishes disturbing layers of substrate or even the decomposing materials, you know, digging, foraging, or whatever. It could even be some kind of bacterial blooms, again, brought about by the aforementioned botanicals and the materials within them becoming more abundant at periods of time. Yeah, it sounds kind of bad, right? Is it? Does it affect our fishes? More often than not, it has no real impact on their health, in my experience. Now, there are circumstances, obviously, where you overfeed a tank or you know, where there's an extreme bacterial bloom that can deplete oxygen levels. These are different type of, you know, 911 experiences. But what I'm talking about are these little cyclical changes that happen. They arrive and then they reach a sort of peak where you just say, wow, something must be up. And then, particularly in the brackish tank, just as quickly as it, mysteriously as it came, it would go away. And of course, as a lifelong aquarium hobbyist, when you see stuff like cloudiness, you first start looking at all the usual suspects, water quality, stocking, feeding habits, and husbandry techniques. Now, I'm a fanatic water quality guy, being a reefer with a reef pedigree and coral growing and all that kind of stuff in my mind. And I'm a devoted tester and water change fanatic too. Is it possible that my feeding technique could have caused this? Maybe, but not likely. I'm like stupidly careful. Like I dispense each piece of brine, frozen brine shrimp with a toothpick, careful. That's really weird. (laughs) My tanks are environmentally stable. They have little to no detectable nitrate, barely detectable phosphate, and they receive regular water exchanges. And as a rule, I stock my aquariums very lightly. I probably understock them. Okay, so right there, I apparently eliminated the usual suspects, right? However, all my arrogance aside, it is possible, correct? The idea of a bacterial bloom is certainly possible, sure. However, again, is this bad? Not always. You know, bacteria arise, like any other animals, like algae or any other organism for that matter, because an abundance of what they need is available and they have a chance to multiply and be happy and and reach, you know, big populations. Now, their impact on the environment can be detrimental in some situations. In other situations, it's simply a cycle. Perhaps the specific materials that we use have a direct impact on the appearance of this cloudiness in the water. Now, an interesting observation with the brackish tank is I utilize mangrove wood in it, of course, mangrove roots, excuse me, and branches. And I've done this in blackwater aquariums as well. I do this a lot. I use mangrove. It's an interesting wood. And I'm kind of of the belief that this is a, a beautiful type of wood, but it is very dirty from a standpoint of materials contained within the tissues of the wood. Think about the environments that they come from. And both types of systems experienced an initial haziness, which... I hadn't seen to the same extent with other botanical systems I've played with, which used perhaps different types of wood. Coincidence? Maybe. I mean, every botanical tank seems to acquire a certain patina, or one of my, as one of my fellow uh, Blackwater enthusiasts calls it, uh, a flavor 
which impacts the overall appearance of the system. And we do throw all sorts of seed pods, leaves, and other stuff in our, stuff in our tanks, right? Uh, it's a perfect cocktail for unusual water conditions, isn't it? And let's face it, some materials are simply more dirty than others. And again, dirty doesn't necessarily mean dangerous or bad. It simply means that we'll impart a unique set of characteristics to the aquatic environment and that you need to monitor your aquarium carefully. Nothing really new or unexpected there, right? No. I mean, this is part of Aquarium Husbandry 101. The, and ultimately, the, the cloudiness thing just seems to sort of go away, and it yields that sparkling brown clarity that we all love. Sure, sometimes activated carbon and stuff like polyfilter and other chemical filtration media can help, but I think the biggest factor is time, just being patient. Um, and as an aside, as I've talked about many times, I run chemical filtration media in every one of my tanks, whether it's polyfilter, purigen in small quantities, or activated carbon. Always have, always will. It's just an added measure of insurance against excessive amounts of organics. And certainly in our aquariums, we deal with a lot of organic material. And this phenomenon is not entirely inconsistent with the characteristics and, and that we see in natural habitats. Wild habitats like flooded forests frequently have a level of turbidity in the water that's quite apparent, yet seemingly of little impact to the fishes which reside there. Now, I realize that aquariums are not these open systems with all the characteristics of an open system. However, they are impacted by most of the same processes, aren't they? The other random, <clears throat> excuse me, this is a typical morning where I have to clear my throat every five seconds, isn't it? <clears throat> the other random factor in our version of the botanical style brackish aquarium is the use of very rich mud-influenced soils in composition of the substrate we play with. I think some of the material leaches into the water column on occasion and, you know, add this to the equation with the occasional burrowing activities of the fishes and snails and significant water quality movement provided by the pumps in that system. And that might be another factor that can affect the water clarity. And of course, it's kind of a no-brainer that silty, richly sedimented substrates will impart a certain degree of cloudiness to the water until these materials settle out over time. And of course, when they're disturbed, the water can go cloudy again. We've seen this in many of our freshwater agapo experiments as well, so there's nothing really unique to the brackish system in this regard. I think it's more unique to the types of materials that we use. And perhaps it's also the inclusion of the mangroves themselves and the epiphytic organisms which live on and among their roots and the propagal structures. I don't think that's unusual. The other quirks we will experience from time to time uh, are the accumulation and the dissipation of biofilms and the occasional bio cover on our botanicals. This is simply considered par for the course with botanicals, isn't it? Yet I know many hobbyists, myself included, who have run tanks with minimal biofilm over their botanicals at almost every phase of the tank's existence. Why is this? Well, who the hell knows, right? Yeah. Like, there's so many possible variables in what we do that it's almost impossible to generalize. We can only tell you that it happens and that it is essentially harmless and often subsides somewhat over time, regardless of how it looks. Gee, that was pretty damn helpful, Scott. Well, hey man, I don't have all the answers. I simply don't know how we can look at all of the variables that impact the way these tanks function and arrive at some sort of generalized conclusion about why this happens. Suffice it to say, we may simply have to treat every aquarium as a unique little microcosm to which some generalized processes will likely occur. However, each system simply behaves differently from others, making it near impossible or at the very least irresponsible for us to generalize about what's going to happen. 
Now, some aquarists have experienced bursts of, you know, biofilm, which accompany the addition of every batch of botanicals that they add to an aquarium. In our community, we sort of take the waxing and waning of biofilms in our tanks as sort of a rite of passage. We've come to expect and tolerate this stuff, but particularly in newer aquariums with less mature nutrient export processes. Learning to accept this stuff was, and still is, a big part of the mental shift that hobbyists have to make when transitioning to these types of aquariums from a more conventional approach. Accepting that decomposition change and the transformation of the hardscape materials by fungal and bacterial action are simply part of the game is pretty fundamental to what we do. Again, we advocate not continuously interceding in in these natural processes, which allows the aquarium to sort of find its own biological balance, for want of a better word. It seems obvious to all play with these systems that as your system matures, it becomes more biodiverse. There's more life in the system. It most definitely evolves to some extent, despite the rather unusual aesthetic. Oh, but that biofilm and turf algae and fungal growth really gets to some people. I get it. Left alone, it almost always seems to dissipate in just a few weeks. And occasionally you'll see a covering of biofilm or turf algae crop up on botanicals, which have been submerged for you know some period of time, seemingly without reason. These occasional outbursts may disappear as quickly and mysteriously as they appear, again, without any apparent correlation. Or do they? Now, there must be some explanation. And of course, as we know, everything occurs in nature and our tanks for a reason. And the searching for answers and trying to figure out the hows and whys of our rather unique aquariums has been a real delight for me. The headache for some people, but it's been delightful for me. Nature and our tanks are ruled by cycles whether they're seasonal or biological, doesn't matter. There's all types of cycles. It's something we haven't really thought a lot about in aquarium keeping, except for the nitrogen cycle, of course. We're playing with things like wet and dry seasonal simulations, and I'm convinced that you know these are going to yield some interesting insights on the function of closed aquatic systems and how they you know react to these sort of changes. That's going to be fun to watch. Cycles and quirks. Yeah, quirks. The undeniable quirkiness of blackwater, brackish, botanical-style natural aquariums is probably one of the most enjoyable facets of this type of approach. It's a constant evolution and really a tremendous thing to witness firsthand. Yeah, they're filled with quirks. However, botanical-style aquariums are also filled with a certain something, a mystery, a vibe, a romance, if you will. It's a unique operational structure which separates them from what we've come to expect as normal for aquariums over the decades. And that something is what keeps many of us coming back for more. Quirks, cycles, and all. Something to think about, isn't it? Stay diligent. Stay excited. Stay devoted. Stay experimental. Stay patient. Stay observant. And above all, stay wet. Thanks again for joining us today. This is Scott Feldman. Wishing you a great day. And I look forward very much to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.